earlier this week I was uh, working out and there was three ladies who were talking and they were talking pretty loudly and they knew other people were listening so I don't think I was eavesdropping on them. Uh, They were very aware that other people could hear them. And the conversation that I overheard from these three women uh, shocked me a little bit. The first one said that this year in May is her 10-year anniversary, and she thinks it's time that her and her husband renegotiate their contract. And uh, the other two women said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I like to read a lot, and I think I should get $400 a year to spend on books. And my husband doesn't think so. So I think it's time we renegotiate. The other two women said this was a great idea because the one woman said, I want four new pieces of jewelry from Tiffany's and I think I should be able to have them. The third woman said, this is great. She was going to go home, tell her husband that they should renegotiate their contract and she knows what he's going to say. He's going to say, what more do you want? I give you my whole salary. And she would respond by saying, I want you to double your salary because I'm tired of being the breadwinner around here. I was shocked. Uh, I I guess I wasn't so shocked that they felt this way. I was more shocked that they were saying these things in a very public place where other people could easily hear them. And and yes, I, I really hope and pray they were joking. But even if they were joking... What impression did they just give everyone around them about how they view their marriage? Our society has turned into marriage into this consumeristic mindset. Uh, we think we should be getting fulfilled. Are my needs being met? Are the duties split evenly between my spouse and I? Because if they're not and I'm doing more, I'm not sure I want in. We'd like a renegotiation. Our society from very early on, when we are very young, plants in our mindset that our marriage and spouse should make us happy, right? And we see it in the movies all the time. Boy meets girl, they fall in love, and uh, they live happily ever after. Because the guy's making the girl happy, and the girl's making the guy happy, and Everyone's just happy. And so we, we, from very early on, we, we get in this mindset that marriage and our spouse should make us happy. And when, the, when they don't, we're not sure we want out because this isn't what we thought, or we're not sure we want in because this isn't how we thought marriage was going to be. It's no wonder that half of marriages end in divorce, right? With that mindset. <coughs> With that mindset of me first mentality. As I'm sure you can guess, this isn't how God has designed marriage. This isn't how uh, He expects us to love our spouse in a marriage. Today we continue our series of revolution. The big idea that uh, God is revolutionizing our thoughts on love. Last week we looked at revolutionizing our thoughts on loving God. Today we're going to look at how He revolutionizes our thoughts of loving our spouse. And the first thing we need to keep in mind, this is your first point, is that, and I'm going to need you to push the button because it's not working. Oh, that's because it's not plugged in. All right, 
I love my spouse because my God commands it. We are going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Uh, it's a letter written by Paul to the Christians living in Corinth. No, to the Christians living in Ephesus um, around 55 AD. And in chapter 5, Paul writes about marriage. And he begins a section on marriage by saying this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another because God commands it. Because of honor and glory for Christ. So, we as Christians submit to one another. That word submit uh, really has a bad connotation in our society, doesn't it? Uh, it, it? People don't like that word. But what this word literally means is to voluntarily place your will under the will of another. So when you are head to head, when you disagree on something, when both of you can't get your way, you willingly say, I'm going to place my will under yours. And that's what we see Jesus doing, don't we? Jesus, on the night before he died, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He's praying to God the Father. And he says, Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. But not my will. Yours be done. God the Father, God the Son. Head to head. Both couldn't get their way. And Jesus said, I voluntarily place my will under yours. He went to the cross, even though he didn't necessarily want to, but he did because it was the Father's will that he die that you might live. He went to the cross willingly to forgive your sins. And now, that same Savior asks us, commands us to submit to one another out of reverence for Him. And how does that look in our marriage? Well, wives, He addresses you first. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, His body, of which He is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. You want to talk about controversial. These verses are not very popular today. And why? It's because there's a lot of wrong assumptions of what Paul means here. And quite frankly, these verses have been used to promote abuse in relationships. But what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, wives, loving your husbands looks like this. When you are head-to-head, when you don't agree... When you both can't get your way, you voluntarily place your will under the will of your husbands. In other words, you say, you first. Notice what this doesn't say. It doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands because you're worthless, because you're inferior, because you're weak. It doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands, and that means that you need to keep your mouth shut. And be a a doormat. It doesn't say, follow your husbands blindly. Especially if they're 
leading you against God's will, then especially don't follow them blindly. It doesn't say, wives, you don't get an input at all. It doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say if you're being abused that you should just keep your mouth shut and deal with it and put up with it because you need to submit. No, that's not what this is saying at all. It's saying, how can you show love to your husbands? By voluntarily placing your will under theirs. That's saying, I love you. And as you know, ladies, as you know, it's not easy. It takes a strong woman to look at an imperfect man, a sinner, and say, I am going to love you, I am going to respect you, as if I am loving and respecting Jesus himself. That takes a strong woman. And it's not easy. So where do you find your strength? Where do you find your strength to do that? It's in the love of Jesus, isn't it? It's in the forgiveness that Jesus offers you on a daily basis. It's that Jesus has washed you clean. He has made you a blood-bought child. He has given you the kingdom. It's reminding yourself on a daily basis that your husband is a blood-bought child of God also. That Jesus has washed him clean. That he is imperfect, so he's going to make mistakes. And yet Jesus offers him that same love that he offers you on a daily basis. In a little while, we're going to talk about the temptations that wives you face uh, in a marriage, so we'll wait for that. But, wives, God commands you to love your husbands, and to do that, you voluntarily place your will under your husbands. Husbands, are you ready? Yours isn't an easy task, either. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. Husbands, you are called to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. In the Bible, in fact right here, we see that the relationship between Jesus and the Christian church is that of a husband and wife. He the husband, the church as the bride. And how did Jesus love his bride, the church? He loved her so much that he gave himself up for her. He loved her with a self-sacrificing love. And we see that when he was here on earth, didn't we? Again, did he want to go to the cross and die? No. But he put all of his wants, all of his desires aside because the church needed him to die. And husbands, this is the model you are to follow. No, you cannot save your wife from her sins. That's only Jesus. But you are called to put all of your wants, all of your desires, lay them aside, and put her first. 
In other words, when you don't agree, when you both can't get your way, when you are head-to-head, you voluntarily place all of your wants, all of your desires aside and say, you first. When I first uh, became a pastor, not too long ago, (laughs) uh, but those first couple of months, uh, I just dove into ministry. I did work all day, talked to people in the afternoon. I came home and told Anne all of my plans, all of what I, where I saw peace going, uh, and this was like this for months. After the first few months, I said to Anne, "Hey, you know what? On Friday night, let's go out to eat." And she said, "Yeah, that would be great." And then I said, "Yeah, it would be great because maybe I can strike up a conversation with someone sitting next to us and tell them about peace, about this new church we're starting." And she got extremely angry and started crying. And I said, what, what's wrong? We're going out to eat. This is going to be great. And she said, I need you to be my husband. I don't need more time with pastor. I had put all of my wants, all of my desires before hers. I uh, put my career before her needs and wants. And you know what the worst part was? I justified it by saying, I'm doing the Lord's work. How could it be wrong? Husbands, you are commanded by God to love your wife and put her needs and wants first. That is your only job. And so my question to you is, do you even know what your wife wants? What your wife needs? Or are you assuming Maybe she wants things that you don't even know she wants. Maybe she needs things that you don't even know that she needs. Maybe she wants to spend more time with you. And so you carve out some time in the evening to spend with her. Maybe she wants you to just take the trash out without her asking for once. And so you do it. Maybe she wants more time with the uh, more time with you and the kids together. Maybe she wants to go out to eat once in a while, and so you do all these things. Maybe you know that what's going to make her happy is that on Tuesday you plan something for Valentine's Day, even though you think it's a cheesy Hallmark day, a Hallmark card holiday uh, where you have to spend money on it. You know it's going to mean a lot to her. It's going to put a smile on her face. And so you do it, even though you don't necessarily want to. This is what it means to love your wife. You put her needs before your own. But husbands, you're charged with something else. You are the leader in the house. And what does that mean? That means you're also the spiritual leader. And so what are you charged with? You are charged with saying things like, hey, let's do a family devotion tonight. Hey, let's, uh, l- let's you and me pray tonight and uh, I'll say a prayer out loud. Even though it's completely foreign and we're going to feel awkward doing it, let's do it because it's going to draw us closer to, to the Lord. You are charged with those things. And if you aren't doing them, you're failing as the leader that God has called you to be. 
you are not loving your wife as God has called you to love her. But guys, what a privilege you have. What a privilege you have to lead your wife into the loving arms of your Savior. The one who has forgiven all of your sins. The one who loves her and loves you the same. The one who has made you both holy and blameless. He has presented you without wrinkle or stain, but only holy before His Father. This is the joy that you have to lead her to your loving Savior's arms. And for any of you single ladies who are either here today or listening in on this podcast, do not give your heart to a man who will not love you like this, whose heart has not been transformed by the gospel, who will not say, I'm going to put your needs first. Because this is how God has designed marriage to be. For both of you to say, you first. That's how marriage works. And that's how God has called us to love each other. You first. But what do you and your spouse need to realize? You both need to realize that you have an enemy. 1 Peter 5 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is in the business of destroying marriages. He has been since the very first one. Uh, And and he wants nothing more than to destroy your marriage. Because when when the family unit breaks down, then it causes all a bunch of pain and sorrows. And he can easily... Drive the family members away from the Lord. So wives, you are going to be tempted. Satan is prowling. He's going to tempt you to not love and respect your husband. To think that you know things better than he does. The Satan is going to tempt you uh, to speak poorly of your husband. Like those women in the introduction. Those are going to be real temptations. Husbands, you're going to be tempted to put your needs before your wife's needs. And a temptation for you is going to be to not lead at all, to completely abandon your role as the leader. You know, a lot of people uh, blame Eve for the first sin. But who was standing right next to her? Adam. And he didn't say a word. He watched as Satan tempted Eve and led her astray. And as a spiritual leader in the home, he didn't say a word. He abandoned his role. Husbands, you're going to be tempted for that as well. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard. It takes thought. It takes a lot of brain power and uh, brain strength and stability. And we rather just push it aside. Realize and be ready because Satan is prowling. You're going to be tempted to put have a me-first attitude because that's what sin is. It's selfishness, right? It's me-first. And it affects even our marriages. But what do you do when you fall? Because let's be honest, we are going to fail. We treat each other with the same love and grace that Jesus extends to us every single day. We treat each other with love and forgiveness. Just like Christ has freely forgiven us, so we freely forgive our spouse. And we freely forgive ourselves. 
when we fail. Because Christ has forgiven us. He's made us holy and blameless before the Lord. And so what are we taking away today? What are we going to do? I love my spouse and I will guard his or her heart. Proverbs says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Do not just guard your heart, but guard the heart of your spouse. And to do that, it takes open and honest communication. It's telling your spouse what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, uh, what problems you have, what feelings you have. Only then will your spouse be able to know how to encourage you in God's Word. And so be open and honest because Satan is prowling around. He's trying to isolate you and take you over. But be open and honest so you can encourage each other in God's Word. Love each other, not just with words, but with actions. Constantly be asking, how can I put my spouse's needs before my own? Just like Jesus has put your needs before His own. Rising, or living, dying, and rising. He has made you holy and blameless so that one day you can sit at the wedding banquet in heaven where you will join all Christians from all times wearing your white robes without stain or wrinkle, but holy and blameless. Until then, love your spouse and protect their heart. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You for the love and forgiveness that You offer to us. We thank You for loving us, Your bride, and putting our needs before Your own. We ask You to fill us with strength as we do that in our marriages today. Amen.